Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to the Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here to the left of me, as always, is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. John, how's it going? It's going great, man. Just uh, rolled back into town. You know, I was out of town for another mission this weekend, and uh, up in Nashville, I want to say hi to Jeremy and all the folks up there for having us out. Man, it was just a, a, a special weekend for a lot of reasons. Angela got to go with me because mm-hmm. Nashville's only, you know, two and a half hours from here. So, you know, she doesn't often get to do that because of the cost of plane tickets and traveling and all that. And then the kids and finding somebody to watch them and all that stuff. But she went with me this weekend. It was really cool for the people there because, you know, usually she's not there. So they could ask her questions about her side of, yeah. you know, our conversion story and all that, our story of what happened. And um, But Lucy was also there, our uh, new employee that we've had for a couple months now. And so she got to experience it. She enjoyed it. But had a good crowd and, and really just uh, helping the Holy Family up there turn their men's club into more of a spiritual uh, place for men. They're going to start meeting four times a month instead of one. Um, they're going to use the four pillars, and they're really excited about it. So, And that's that's what we're trying to do, Victor. You know, we talk about it all the time, that we're wanting to get out there into these parishes and start building places for men to be able to build authentic relationships with Christ, to to have authentic relationships with other men, and to really start living their faith. You know, there's just a void out there uh, of of things for men. We're going to talk about that some today. Um, we know that when men are not present and living and as the spiritual leaders are called to, our children suffer, they fall away from the faith, our relationships with our wives suffer, because oftentimes there's not an equal yoking there going mm-hmm. on. So um there's just so many needs to to minister to men right now and there's just not a lot out there you know we're going to talk about that more here in a minute um and and just some of the comments i've gotten from men lately but we enjoyed being up there with jeremy and holy family wish them the best can't wait to walk with them further through all of this and continue to help them grow that group into more of a spiritual group that they wanted it to be so again thanks to all the folks up there in holy family and in nashville and especially jeremy and his wife jennifer for having us and making that possible if you guys want to schedule a mission you want to start a men's group you can do that by going to our website uh going to the events and book me page and in the middle of the page there's the the spot about helping men's groups and you can sign up there I uh, also want to tell everybody, too, and remind everybody about the, the pilgrimage coming up with Father Larry Richards to Israel. I uh, got a thing Friday, and I think we were up to 50 people that are now signed up to go with us. So got a great group. That's one bus. I mean, we've got room for more, but it's going to be a great time. And it seems like, Victor, man, it was two years ago before it was going to happen, like, you know, yesterday. And now here we are right. less than a year away from it. So if you want to go to the to, to the Holy Land and walk in the footsteps of Jesus and do it and have a great time with a bunch of people, we're going. You're going to get to see all the sites, and it's going to be wonderful. Angela's going to go too. I just can't be more excited for it. So you could sign up for that by going to our events and book me page two. Forgotten to mention that the last few podcasts. But, you know, Victor, as I said, we were in Nashville. It was great. It was nice to be able to go up on a Friday, be back at a good time on a Saturday because of the proximity. Had a great time. Um but it just really solidified in my eyes just the need for what we're doing, you know, and this call that the Lord's, you know, put in our lives to to go and help uh, start these groups. You know, it's just that's a 5,000-person parish, you mm-hmm. know, and they have Knights of Columbus and they had a men's club, which they don't have a school. So I think the men's club was just more of 
of helping around the parish, doing things like that as well, and, and, and intended to be a spiritual thing, but they wanted more added to it. Um, you know, Victor, before I left, we had our monthly call with our men in our community. And, you know, if you don't know what that is, people that are signed up to support us at $25 a month, they're in the community. Uh, you can do that on our website. But we have a monthly uh, Zoom hangout is what we call it, where we get together. And, you know, I was sharing with them this new direction to our ministry. You know, we've always had the podcast and we always will have those things. But I just really feel like in, in prayer and through just the different things the Lord is leading me to, that he's really solidified that, that what he wants of us is to go and start these groups. Like, it's almost like he's saying, I want my men back, right? I want, and, and they need a place because they're, they're, they're isolated, they're alone, and they're not, there's nothing in a lot of these parishes for them. You know, Victor, we've had Lucy looking in, um, looking at all the parishes in Region 5, and we're finding pretty consistently, you know, in our region that there are, you know, less than 10 or 12 percent uh, groups for men as opposed to the number of parishes out there. You know, in our own diocese, like we've got 41 you know, parishes and, and outside of Knights of Columbus, and that's a whole different organization and serves a different purpose, which is great. And there's thousands of men that are part of that. We need that in our church. But as far as spiritual based group for men, groups for men in our parishes out of 41, I think there's less than five in our diocese, including ours. So you're, you're less than, you know, 14% at that point. And we wonder like, why are these men not engaged? Why are fathers, you know, not living the faith more? It's, we really don't have a lot out there for them in our parishes. You, know, you see a lot for women and all those things. Well, so I'm on this call, and we're talking, and I'm sharing with the guys that we've made the patron saint now of our ministry, St. Paul, and we're really trying to mimic and, 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 uh, and follow his path of going out and starting things and boots on the ground and building this and training people so it's not just dependent. Like Paul didn't build those things for it to, to be dependent on him. Right? He didn't stick around for years and years and years, and it's all about Paul. No, it's all about teaching you what we know, the gospel, and, and building a church in his, in his case, and then building up people and leaders to run that church, and then he encouraged from afar. That's what we're trying to do. So I was talking to the men and sharing all that on the call, and one of them just stopped me. He said, guys, I said, John, can you hang on a minute? He said, I just want to see a show of hands, and we're on Zoom. He said, how many of you right now feel like you're, you're in a spiritual wasteland? Like as a man, like there's nothing there for you in your parish, in your area. You feel isolated and alone and you're trying to be a better man by yourself. And I thought, man, that's a great question. I wish I thought to answer it. <laughs> and every hand on this thing, at least I could see on the screen, you know, mm -hmm. of the screen of the men that were on there. There was multiple screens that every one of them raised their hand and every one of them started to talk about it. And so there's nothing like what you're talking about. There's nothing here. And very quickly the call just sort of, you felt like this wet blanket almost fall over things. Mm -hmm. And this just, I could feel just the desire of these men and the pain of like, I want what you and Victor are talking about on a daily basis and not just me being a better man. Right. I mean, th that's possible, you know, to work on those things without a group, but like, I really want to be with other men who want, have the same sort of mission, the same sort of desire in their heart. And I just, to hear it called a spiritual wasteland just hit me between the eyes, man. I was like, man, we're talking about our parishes. We're talking about a place where we're supposed to go and, and be filled and to be to 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 really just feel like we're we're being nurtured. And I'm not not trying to knock parishes or or the church, but it's just it's it's becoming more obvious that this is something that is missing in men's lives. And when we look at things like abortion, like like fatherlessness, like all these things that are out there, these big issues in the church that get a lot of press, most of those things are coming back to the fact that there's not a father present, that there's not a man truly living his faith. 
And it seems like if we start to solve this one problem with let's get the men involved in the faith and really feel like they have a place and, 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 and can be fed and become the men that they're called to be, that a lot of these are things that we're out there fighting against as well might start writing themselves a little bit in, in, a, in a little bit of a way. Well, I mean, the, the, the word you're talking about is wasteland. You know, mm-hmm. wasteland means there's nothing growing. Right. There's the, the, the earth or the soil can't produce any life. Sure. Um, and that is tragic for, for many men who are seeking to grow, who are seeking to find a place to, to, to put their roots down and to kind of really, because there are families in this, this area, this community, yet they're doing well with being a father and a husband and, you know, and taking the kids to soccer practice or whatever and doing the thing, due diligence as, as in the marriage. But yet, as men, and you know, we know that we need something stronger mm. in the sense of, of rectifying who we are, who we believe. And our faith is essential. I mean, you can go on years without being faithful, right? Yeah. But eventually it's going to catch up to you where you're, you feel numb, you feel hollow, and you feel like, what's the point? And then when you're in that moment of a need of a treatment, that's when God shows up back up to you and says, are you ready to listen to me? Sure. Do you want my help? And that's when usually men have that eureka moment. Wow, wow I do need something more than what I think I'm able to do on my own. Sure, and things to be ministered to them in a certain way. You know, I mean, one of the, my favorite things we do with the four pillars, which mm-hmm. is the structure we go out and share that we have in our men's group at our parish, is the worship night. And you know, there's something really special about that night when we're when we have the daily mass. I mean, confession, adoration, all that stuff's great too. Don't get me wrong; it's you know a great opportunity for a man to partake in two mm-hmm. different sacraments, and then obviously to adore the Lord, which most men don't do on their own ever. Um, but it's a great opportunity in that, you know, Father, whether it's Father G or Father Gallagher on those nights, can really, you know, talk about the gospel in that day in the light of men, mm-hmm. right? Because it's only men in there. And so he can really dive into, like, what those gospels mean to us as men and practicality as men, which you can't get often in a sermon right. on Sunday because, you know, they're preaching to an entire mass of women and children and men and, and just a, a group of a mix of things. What What's really cool about what you're talking about, it, that, for me at least, and we shared this before, the intimacy sure. of of being in that small group in front of, you know, the tabernacle sure. and listening to the gospel and, and really just being able to kind of like re- rectify exactly how important this moment is. Yeah. You know, that, that I'm here, that I'm able to kind of absorb this moment and be thankful for it. Sure, and it's, it's, it's really like a band of brothers, right? Yeah. I mean, it's we've seen the movies. You see the camaraderie in the armed forces and the movies about those things. But it's very similar when you're standing next to somebody mm-hmm. and you've gotten past that whole, like, this is weird and I'm a guy and why am I worshiping with other guys? And you get over all that stuff that happens right. naturally when you start one of these groups. You kind of get through that stuff with the vulnerability and all that, and all that mess goes away, and you're just going like, man, this is really cool be standing here next to other grown men that aren't Mm. afraid to live their faith, that are seeking something, same thing I'm seeking. Now, you know, the spiritual wasteland part, there's plenty of parishes out there that do have good things for men. I don't want to just throw this all on parishes or people that aren't doing their job. I don't want to make it sound like that. I just think a lot of times we also focus on the negative a lot. Right. We were very glass, half empty people. You know, the world's just that way these days. So when I told those men, you know, my heart was breaking to hear all that. But it just, like I said, it, it really solidified that God is pointing us to do this because there is a great need. But what I said to those men is, okay, well, here's the two ways we can look at this. 
either we could sit there and complain and gripe and and moan about like there's nothing for me and I'm sick of it and, and I don't want to go to church because of it because there's nothing for me mm-hmm. or we can look at it and say maybe God is is using this as an opportunity he's putting this ache in my heart and, and it's painful this much because he's trying to get me to do something about mm-hmm. it right like oftentimes you know, we wonder and we wait, and I hear this all the time. When's somebody going to do something about the economy? When's somebody going to do something about gas prices? When's somebody going to do something about, you know, school shootings? When's somebody, well, when are you going to do something about it? I know in not all those situations, there's politics and all those things that you can do something about right then and there. But I think God allows these situations to come in our heart, not so that we get depressed and we get angry and, and volatile and, and and we walk away from the faith it's almost like god saying yeah there's a need there and somebody does need to do something mm-hmm. and right somebody needs to do something but you're my hands and feet right maybe that someone is you and and so that desire is there so that we wake up and we do something like maybe and that's what i told those men i said guys have you ever stopped and thought and wondered why you're involved in this ministry why do you give $25 a month? Why do you read The Narrow Road every month? Why do you listen to every podcast? Maybe it's because God has drawn something in your subconscious that, that he's drawn you to this for a purpose, and maybe this is the, the very purpose, is that there's not enough things for his men out there, but you're a man who this sparks a fire in their heart, right? This is draw, You have been drawn to this like a mm-hmm. moth to a flame, right? This is why you love it so much. This is why you bought the t-shirt, why you have the koozie, why you have the rosary, why you're listening to this every week is maybe because God wants you to do more than just listen. He wants you to act on this, right? You and I can't ever go out to enough parishes in our lifetime to change every parish out there. But if we had men that were listening to this that had a desire and wanted to have a part in this to build these things, then we could change things a lot quicker. Right, Paul had Timothy and Titus and Mark and all these other people. It wasn't just about Paul and and um, and, and Barnabas, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was about the others that came behind him and followed him and, and helped him in it. So this isn't just me pleading for people to help. It's just saying like if there's a spiritual wasteland, then maybe God is asking you to be the person that reseeds it, right? That turns it from a a, a fallow piece of land, right, right, to to a fertile garden again, and. You know, I know, I, I know the reasons. These are the three main reasons we don't have these in parishes, Victor. One, Father doesn't have time. I'll, in our negativity, we're waiting. Why doesn't Father? Why doesn't the DRE? Why doesn't whoever's in charge of you know evangelical stuff in our parish or evangelization? Why doesn't he he or she do something? Well, with Father, he's trying to pave the parking lot. He's trying to balance the books. He's trying to write homilies. He's trying to care for the fix, sick. Fix the roof that's leaking. Right. Yeah, Oftentimes, right. they have positions for the diocese, like Father yeah. Gallagher's in charge of continued education. It's not like they're sitting around all day waiting for someone to come in the office and go, hey, Father, would you be willing to do this? Yes, I have nothing to do in my life. Yeah. I was waiting on you for the last three years to come in here. They have stuff to do, right? And they, they can't have another thing on their plate a lot of times. And if it's left up to them, oftentimes they can't give it the attention so it's not going to be anything mm-hmm. that were fruitful. So there's the number one reason. Number two, guys feel it in their heart. Like they, like maybe there are people listening here. I want to do that, John, but I'm just not the right guy. You don't know what I've done. I, I have sense. If people saw me leading a men's group and then they found out I did this, then it would be a disaster. I got news for you. I had my stuff too. You guys have heard it for months and months and months and years on this podcast. I had all of those things. Jail, felonies, cocaine, addictions, porn, all that stuff. 
the vulnerability piece is what helps that. And that's what we teach in the group is that like, once you get that out of the way and people understand that you're trying to be better just the way you are, none of us are ever fully capable or, or perfect for this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and here's the thing. There's so many people that have gone before us in the scriptures that aren't either. You know, if you look at this, but that, that's the number two, number two reason is I'm not the right guy. Right. Well, take Moses. You know, he says to God, when God asked him to, to, to really take charge of the Israelites and lead them out of, out of Egypt into the promised land, who am I that I should go? That's what the first thing Moses yeah. says. And he, and he responds to him, I will be with you, and I promise to bring you, you know, up into worship on this mountain. Right? That's in Exodus 3, 11 through 12. So God answers him like, dude, it ain't about you. I just need you to say yes. What's the next thing Moses says? What if they do not believe me or listen to me, right? There's another thing. What if nobody cares? What if I'm not a charismatic leader? What if I can't impact people? God's saying again, it ain't about you, man. Right. It's about your yes. The third thing he says is I've never been eloquent. <laughs> I'm slow of speech and tongue. And God says, who gave human beings their mouth, right? Like who gave them their mouth? Is it not I, the Lord now go and I will help you teach. I will help you and teach you what to say. This is a response from Scripture and showing us, again, that we're the living Word of God is not just about people back then. It's, it's, a, it's God speaking to us here and now. So if Moses, who became the great prophet, right, the greatest of the prophets in the Old Testament, then if he can do that for him, don't you think he's willing to do that for you too? All he was asking of Moses was a yes. We go on to Gideon, right? Gideon, yeah, that's go ahead. my guy. Go I like, ahead. I like Gideon. Go ahead. Gideon is just like side side note, well, kind of like what Moses did in the sense of, of from the lowliest branch of his family. Really, I mean, he was on the threshing floor when God called him. Sure. Which means he was doing labor. He, he didn't yeah. have a hired hand doing that. He was doing it himself, you know, because he was hiding because I think at the time the Philistines or Canaanites, I can't remember, controlled that area and mm-hmm. they would take the part of the grain for taxes or whatever. So he was doing it in hiding. So so the thing we talk about, the the lamb skin and all that stuff, if it's, you know, dew's on it, this thing, and then it's dry, whatever. You know, he had he, he tested God in a sense. Sure. The same, well, you say that I'm right, guy, but let me do two more tests. But what he did, he he defeated them with less than 50 men. Sure. You know, and yeah. all because he said, all right, I mean. That's what he said. Yeah. He said to God, like, how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest, and right. I'm the least in my family. And. God said, you know, this is in Judges 6. He says, I'll be with you and you will strike down all the, Midian, the Midianites. Midianites yeah. yeah, leaving none alive. But he also told him, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Mm-hmm. Again, like this isn't about you. And even in the case of Moses, the last thing Moses said to God was, please send someone else, right? That right. was Exodus 4. And God, even in his grace, because Moses was worried about not being an eloquent speaker, who did he send? Aaron, right? So he sent someone to help him. So again, here's the point of God. God might be showing us there's this void and this need that be, needs to be filled, and he's asking you to do it. Doesn't mean he's asking you to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he's asking you to do it perfectly. Doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. The only answer you need is I'm calling you to do this, and I will not abandon you. Victor, that's what every day when I get up and I turn on this mic or I'm on some conference or we go to do a mission, like that's what I tell myself every day, that if I look at this like I'm going to go do this, I'm going to fail. I am. It's only through God's grace and allowing that to surrender, that surrender to allow him to do the work through us. Our job is just to give him our yes. So we have another one in Jeremiah, right? The prophet Jeremiah. And, and, you know, he says to God, I'm too young. Like send somebody else. I'm way too young for this. I'm too young to be a prophet. 
Um, he doubted that God could use him. But God says, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you. Right? So again, he's telling somebody, it's not about your inadequacies. Mm-hmm. We did an episode a few weeks about that. I go about that. And you could see that even back then, inadequacy and fear of not being enough is a rooted fear in all men. But God says, like, I, I'm here to, to fill those voids for you, right? You are not enough. And that's okay. You know it. I know it. I agree with you. Get it out of the way right. and let me work through you. So the last one we'll talk about here is really Peter. You know, I mean, Peter, he's sitting there and, and Jesus shows up. And says, you know, cast your net on the other side. He gives them all sorts of reasons. I've been fishing all night. I'm tired. Nothing ever bites. God, I've tried to get men together in our terms today. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to come. I tried something once. We give those same excuses. And Jesus just looks at him. He's like, just throw the net on the other side of the boat. Mm-hmm. Right? Just do what I ask you to do. Peter does. All of a sudden, he has to have Jesus help him haul in fish for hours. Right? And then what comes of it? He falls on his knees. Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Again, his last excuse. Right. I'm not someone you can use. I'm not someone you need to be spending your time with. I'm not good enough. But Jesus tells him, lift up your head. Right, Look at me. Follow me. Follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. Not you becoming great at fishing men. I will make you a fisher of men. So to all these men out here that are listening, like I just really felt called after that call to point that out that maybe it's not a negative thing. Maybe we shouldn't be sitting there pining alone at home, drinking our sorrows away because we have no real friends in our life and we can't find anybody to do the spiritual life with us that's a guy. Maybe that's God saying, you're right. There is a void. There is a need. Men are hurting. Men in this area, in your parish, in your diocese, in your 10-foot you know, radius are hurting. And they need someone to do something about it. And I choose you. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, I'm choosing you. Yeah. We're in good company. I mean, because you have Moses, you have Gideon, Jeremiah, and Peter. Very similar human being, all the same characteristics that we kind of, you know, have in our own minds of saying we're not (laughs) worthy, we're not capable. But yet, with the Holy Spirit and with the calling of God, we can do many things. Yeah, Yeah. we really can. And it's, it's, again, it's not belief in yourself. It's belief in God and what he can do with you. Victor, I mean... You were around me not long after we started the group. I mean, you came in pretty quickly afterwards. I was nervous, a nervous wreck all the time. I didn't know what to do. I was trying a million different things, videos, books. I was begging Father for help. I felt so inadequate all the time. I felt like I'm not the right guy. And, and a lot of times I messed up and I made mistakes. But here we are seven years later, and, and not only is that group doing well at our parish and has helped our parish transition from just a place you went to have a good time, mm-hmm. you know, to a, a very spiritual place now, right? There's been other things that, that fallen in place. We've got a great pastor. We've got great deacons. We've got women's groups. We've got a youth group, all that stuff going now. But it started when the men rose up, right? It really did. Like all the pastors that have come through there have said, when the men started like taking responsibility for their faith, when they started living differently, this parish started to change. And it wasn't just me sitting there, standing there, and I think some people give an, get an idea that because I'm a Catholic speaker and all this stuff mm-hmm. too, that I'm just in there every week pontificating on things. You know better than that. I go yeah. in there and provide something on formation night, say here's what we watched or here's what we need to talk about, and then try to get out of the way and let men share their hearts. But what God did was very, very soon after, the, after we started, God sent Father Gio over there, right? Then he sent you and Nick and David and and John Hoffman and now Deacon Jeff, who's over at our parish. And guys have said like, hey, man, you're not doing this alone. 
Let me handle fellowship night. Let me handle formation night. Let me handle this. Let me handle that. Let me handle the communications. And through that, this thing has thrived because mm-hmm. it's not just about one person or their gifts or their lack of gifts. It's about men coming into community and taking on this burden together. Much like Moses, he didn't have to do it alone. He had Aaron and he had her. My favorite you know, picture someone sent me ever is that depiction. I think it was Bill Donahue sent me of Moses in the battle, I think, with the was it Amorites. I think something like that. You don't give me a line. Yeah. I think that's who it was. But Joshua was on the battlefield fighting. And Moses, you know, God told him when your staff is raised, Joshua will be winning the, the battle. But when your hands and your staff falls, he's going to be losing. Well, Moses is up there. He's old. You know, he's walked all these years. He's tired. And this picture depicted from the back, Moses sitting there on a rock with the staff up in the air. And he had her and he had um, Aaron on the other side lifting his arms up. Mm -hmm. And you could see down below them that Joshua was winning the battle because he had those people surrounded. It wasn't about Moses' gifts, what he could or couldn't do. He, He had God to surround him, to give him what he needed, to fill the void in us, right? When I get up to speak, it's not because I know all these things about the Bible. I surrender and I say, Lord, 33 times I surrender to you. Jesus, I surrender. 33 times I say, Jesus, I trust in you. Then I ask him to let people see him and not me. Hear, hear, let them hear you and not me. And then do what I can't do. Fill that void. So maybe all you guys that are out there, the ones that are feeling in spiritual wastelands, maybe this is God saying to you, I've shown the need. And I know that you don't feel like you're enough. I know that you feel like that this is a mistake for you to get involved in this, but you're exactly who I need in this time. You were born for this, right? What is it? with Esther or whatever, you were born for a time such as this. Mm-hmm. Joan of Arc also said the same thing. Like, I was born to do this. I am not afraid. If we want our parishes to be better, if we want men to rise up, if we don't want our lives to be filled, to be a, a, a wasteland, as, as these men said, then maybe it's time for us to do something about it. Maybe it's time for us not to wait on somebody else to do this. Maybe we need to realize that God is calling us in our life and be courageous and take that step forward. How many times does Jesus say, or in the Bible does it say, be not afraid, do not be afraid? This is him saying, I am with you, right? I'm going to do the work. I just need hands and feet. I just need a body. So if you're one of these guys that was on the call, you know, all my friends that are on there, that my beloved brothers that get to talk to you every month, or you're a guy that's out here and you're listening to the show or you're watching this on YouTube because you feel like you're tired of being alone. You feel like you, you, you can't make more progress in your life without other men, that you long to see something like this in your parish, then pray about it. Maybe God's inviting you to be the catalyst. And if that's so, then praise God because we can help you with it. Right? This is what we do. We don't go in and, and own things and, and run things forever. We come in and we give you the things that you can't do. Men that are willing, you can teach willingness. You can teach willing men. We're willing to come and show you those things, teach you what it means to be a leader, but then walk with you through the process and beyond so that you're not alone and help you build a team so that you could build this in your parish for some, for, so that you don't have to be in a wasteland anymore. So guys, I invite you to consider that, to think about that. If the Lord is putting this on your heart and it's an ache and it's a hurt, oftentimes it's because he wants you to do something about it. He's not just making you suffer to suffer, but it's an invitation to rise up out of that and be a hand in in the place you are for him. So guys, I invite you to think about this as we take it to prayer. As always, Victor, we always want to discern the Lord's will in our life in these things. So if you're thinking about this, guys, let's pray and ask our Heavenly Father for help. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Heavenly Father, many men out there feel isolated and feel them that, that feel that they are in a spiritual wasteland. Sometimes you allow men to feel that way because you are inviting them to do something about it. Help us to see bleak situations as an opportunity to make a difference. And Father, whenever we feel we aren't the right guy, remind us that it is you that will do the work. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.